0: To try that. Hello everybody, welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show here on the Cedar Falls Podcast. I don't know, I just want to try something different for the intro today. And I'm gonna start it off with this. Where the hell was that? And you'll know what I'm talking about in a little bit. If you don't already know already what I'm talking about, we'll find out in a little bit. Before we go into the the whole meat and potatoes of today's show. Let's go through some of the housekeeping items. To start off, go follow The Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Twitter, Instagram, go like the Facebook page, go subscribe to the YouTube channel because we got something big coming to the YouTube channel very, very soon. And go and follow the Spotify account and the Apple Podcast account where you can find The Logan Blackman Show. And I posted, I've kind of, the Twitter account has kind of died The Logan Blackman Show Twitter account. I've kind of just stopped posting on that. It's mostly just been, I've been tweeting the links to the podcast on my personal Twitter account, and my Instagram account can't even really get to it, because again, my phone is still broken, but you know what? We move. We have been adapting. Survive, adapt, overcome is the motto of the Logan Blackman Show, and also we didn't talk about this. I don't well, we might have talked about this last week. I don't really remember. But we got some new stuff on the Logan Blackman show store. So make sure to go check that out as well. And go check out the website as well, the loganblackmanshow.com on Wix. I updated it recently. So it looks good. It looks better. We got a lot of stuff on there. The podcast has been updated on there cuz it hadn't been updated in a very, very long time. I don't even remember the last time I was really on the website. I think it had to be during the summer. Cause that was when I was still doing five shows a week instead of now back to three because school's going on and everything. But I was doing five shows a week and I was still on the website and everything just said coming soon. Cause I must have stopped right before I came back to school and haven't didn't update it. But now it's back. It's normal. Got a couple more interviews on there. The interview I did with Sheriff Thompson and Dan Tralka for the upco- for the sheriff's election. I should probably check. I haven't even I haven't followed up on that. I don't know who won. I do not know who won the sheriff's election. Okay, so we are going to check that and see. Because nothing's really popping up, is it? Re elected. Okay, Tony Thompson was re elected. So, congratulations to Tony Thompson on being elected sheriff, beating former Waterloo Police Chief Dan Shrelka in that very intense race. But yeah, you can go check out that interview on the website as well. There's also a couple papers for classes that I've had to write and put on the website. And I've also been done a very bad job at updating my website for that class or classes. And now that's it should be GTG, good to go. And yeah, that's all the little housekeeping stuff that we got earlier in today's show. But seriously, what the hell? Was that this weekend. Good lord. I cannot I cannot think of a better weekend in the Blackman household than this weekend in regards to sports. Good lord. Iowa. Well, starting with that, because I was flabbergasted the entire time I was watching that freaking game. Michigan State. Okay, and this is what I learned after this game. Michigan State was coming off an impressive win against Michigan. As it turns out, Michigan... It's just not that good. Michigan kind of stinks. Got blown out by Indiana this past week. I think it was Indiana's first time beating them in, uh, what was it, 24 years? Something like that. Indiana's now in the top 10 for the first time in freaking ever. One of my friends on the other night was asking me, when's the last time Indiana was actually good? And it was kind of like, I brought up the Iowa State teams with Seneca Wallace and all them, the last time Iowa State was actually good quote-unquote good was with those Seneca Wallace teams you could say the same thing with those Indiana teams with Antoine Randall as quarterback when they had probably the ugliest uniforms in college football history if you don't know what I'm talking about go look up Antoine Randall Indiana and go look at those it's just a color scheme wise not bad but the way they did it I gotta look this up too because they were bad they had black helmets for crying out Indiana the Indiana Hoosiers. with black, they It doesn't even look like Indiana. It looks like a created team off of NCAA football. Or even arena football. They look like an arena football team. They got those little stripes down the side. Of the, you'll know what I'm talking about once you look at them. They're just not. They're not great. They are bad uniforms. Do not look like Indiana. I'm glad Indiana upgraded their uniforms. Their uniforms aren't necessarily the best or even the most even average uniforms, but they're a thousand times better than these Antoine randall Indiana jerseys. Michael Penix Jr., he's been having a good season for Indiana so far. The lefty quarterback balled out against Michigan this week. And yeah, Michigan is just not good. Yeah, it's just not good. Everything that Jim Harbaugh set out to do at Michigan, he has not done. He has not been able to beat Ohio State. He has not, and I'm meaning like consistently, has not been able to do good against Michigan State, has not won a conference championship, has not brought Michigan back to the national standard or the national um, news front or whatever. Except for that one year, and then they lost to Iowa with Wilton Spate as their quarterback. And everything since then has been downhill. They've had good players I mean it's Michigan they don't struggle with recruiting it's freaking Michigan it's just like Texas Tom Herman's in the same situation as Jim Harbaugh is Tom Herman came into Texas with these big lofty goals bring Texas back and then Sam Ellinger of course said that extremely cringy we're back thing after I think they won the Alamo Bowl and yeah it's just not or or Cotton Bowl it was one of those two bowl games and they're not the same level anymore they can't, they beat Oklahoma more times than Michigan's beaten Ohio, Ohio State and actually made those games more competitive than Michigan has ever made it against Ohio State. But they're still not good. Michigan stinks. Joe Milton struggled in the game. Michigan's starting quarterback. Will we see Dylan McCaffrey in the future? Don't know. But Michigan State, every after beating Michigan, made me a little nervous, sitting on edge a little bit, coming in to play Iowa. And it turns out, Michigan State's not that good either. Otherwise, or Iowa just played out of their gosh darn minds against Michigan State. They act, they looked awesome in this game. They actually ran the ball with Tyler Goodson. They actually let him carry the ball. He averaged 8.1 yards a carry, had two touchdowns, over 110 rushing yards. They actually ran the ball with him. Alex Padilla got some playing time in this game. A lot smaller than Spencer Peters, if you did not already know that. But... Yeah it was just an amazing day. No other way to describe it than that. I have no idea what went on the entire game. I was sitting there like shocked that it was going as easy as it did. Former Valley quarterback Rocky Lombardi came back to the state of Iowa with Michigan State. Looked like he was having some knee issues. Slipped on a couple throws. Threw three interceptions this game. Did not play very well against the Iowa Hawkeyes on his triumphant return back to the state of Iowa, and obviously I forgot about this on Friday I forgot to say this when we were talking about the Iowa-Michigan State game, but Amir Smith-Marset did not play, you can do your own research on why he did not play, but Tyrone Tracy stepped up, I mean, no one really had a great day receiving I mean, no one had over 30, 40 yards receiving in the game, Spencer Petrus played alright, better than what he did before, but that's not I mean, going up from the going (laughs) it's just saying you're better from trash well yeah I would hope it's not trash you can't really get much worse than that it's like the Browns when they went 0-16 there's only way up from here now I'm not saying Petrus was 0-16 bad or Jake Christensen bad but he wasn't good he wasn't playing very good against Northwestern who was also undefeated after beating Nebraska this weekend and he played decent he Completed just over 50% of his passes, 167 yards, one touchdown. Didn't turn the ball over, which was big. But, yeah, super easy game for Iowa. Super easy. Charlie Jones balled out as well. The kicker, the punt returner for the Iowa Hawkeyes got a punt return in the game. Had a couple nice plays running the ball as well on jet sweeps for the Hawkeyes. And, yeah, this is a super, super easy game. Not stressful whatsoever, really was not really a lot to dissect from this game cuz either A Michigan State's just very bad or Iowa played out of their minds on Saturday. Both can work in this situation, but I was not expecting this. I'll say it like that. I was not expecting this game at all. I'm a pe- now if you know me, I'm a pessimistic person, especially when it comes to my teams, the teams I watch on a weekly even daily basis i'm very pessimistic i'll rarely say oh i expect them to go 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 or something compete for national championships compete for big 10 titles every year with iowa i say the goal is the number is going to be around seven and five or eight and four that's my expectations for iowa every year if you meet those that's good if you go above them i'm ecstatic but if you don't then i'm even more upset because my expectations weren't even that high to begin with. Seven and five is not necessarily the pushing, <laughs> push raising the bar a little bit. Now Iowa has that odd year, and the Kirk Fair in the twenty two years Kirk Ferentz has been here. Iowa has that really weird year where it's like, where the hell did this come from? You saw that with Brad Banks in the early two thousands when the Orange Bowl got smashed by USC. Brad Banks won every award minus the Heisman, which makes no sense. Then you got the Ricky Stanzi team, when Iowa, again, went to the Orange Bowl. But this time, instead of losing, they beat up Georgia Tech in this game. One of the best Iowa teams ever. Then went back to average after that, went to the Insight Bowl against Missouri. And then, or it was against Michigan, or Oklahoma, one of those two, whatever. And then you had the C.J. Bethard year, where they go undefeated in the regular season, lose a close one heartbreaker in the Big Ten Championship, and then get absolutely shit stomped by Stanford in the Rose Bowl. And that's a nice way of putting it. It's not even like it was a very close game. They have that odd year every once in a while. You don't see it that often. Usually they're teetering around the 8-4 and four range every single year. Which is not bad. This isn't like the NFL where if you're teetering on just 8-4 and four every year. That's not good. Or around 500 I guess. Or just above 500. But college, you can get to bowl games. You can still go to conference championships. If you're 9-7 and seven consistently, that's what got Jim Caldwell fired in Detroit. Now, in hindsight, that was a very stupid decision. Because you see what Matt Patricia is doing. And we'll talk about uh NFL coaches on the hot seat in a little bit. Because I wanted to do that on Friday. But never actually got around to this. But look at that. Iowa, 226 yards rushing on the day. Michigan State had 59. Rocky Lombardi... Could not get anything going in the game for Michigan State. And yeah, didn't look healthy. Didn't look healthy. Ultra-competitive, but did not look healthy in this game. And Iowa took advantage. And the first interception Rocky Lombardi threw in the game was a Jack Corner, who is a Dallin Catholic kid. Rocky Lombardi went to Valley. His first interception of the game was to a Dallin kid. And for those of you who don't know, if you're not from the state of Iowa, or if you Just don't follow high school sports at all. Or if you're not familiar with the Central Iowa area, maybe you're an Eastern Iowa person or Southern Iowa, whatever. Dowling Valley is the biggest rivalry in Iowa high school sports in football. and Even outside of football, it's a big rivalry. And they are unified by the fact that everybody in the state hates them. (laughs) Regardless of what class it is, everybody hates Dowling and Valley. More so Dowling, but Valley is not... Without its haters. I think a lot of people hate Dowling as well. Or Valley as well. But I just thought that was funny. First interception Rocky Lombardi throws. Throws is to a Dowling Catholic kid. I just think that was really funny. Uh, Yeah. Barrington Wade got an interception. Riley Moss hit a pick six in the game. Uh, it was just a very easy. Easy game. Tory Taylor balled out again. Punting the ball. Yeah. Iowa just keep recruiting those Australian kids. Because they are working out. Punting the ball for the Hawks. Forty-nine seven. Yeah, did not did not see that one coming whatsoever, and I was proud. I was very I was very happy watching that game. Another game I was watching on Saturday. I watched it actually side by side with the Iowa game. Was USC Arizona State. Now it was at eleven o'clock kickoff here, which meant it was a nine o'clock kickoff over at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum where USC plays. Now, if you know me, I love. USC. I love Keaton Slovis. This year especially, I want Keaton Slovis to ball out. Because he's a baller. And I also love Jay Daniels, Arizona State's quarterback. So I was super excited to watch this game. Because Arizona State has some high expectations this year. We're a good team last year. Had some very good performances. Beat Oregon last year with the true freshman quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Now a true sophomore. So expectations for Arizona are obviously going to raise. They're like the Oklahoma State of the pac 12 where they had good performances last year, but now it was time to take that next step this year. Young, talented quarterback for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders. Here, it's Jay Daniels for Arizona State. Jay Daniels played a very good game. Maybe not throwing the ball, but he ran for 111 yards in this game. Averaged over a first down a carry, which is crazy. Arizona State has not been a great team running the ball recently, but they had over 258 yards rushing in the game. Crazy game crazy game running the ball jay daniels throwing the ball 134 yards touchdown slovis not his best game you could tell he was a little rusty in the game but he still put up 381 yards two touchdowns did throw a pick 40 for 55 passing drake london 125 yards unsurprisingly amon ross st brown had over 100 yards receiving in the game his best receiver on the team being amon ross st brown uh, Rashad White for Arizona State 100 had 70 yards receiving. But Jane Daniels and Keaton Slovis, what a battle that was. Very, 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 very exciting game. Now, obviously, my attention was more towards the Iowa game, being a lifelong Iowa Hawkeye fan, but you could not ignore this game. So I was so happy I had it on my laptop because they, one was on Fox Sports. The other one was on ESPN. I had them side-by-side on Google Chrome, and it was just Perfect. Perfect games. Perfect games to watch to start your Saturday morning. Keaton Slovis with just over a minute left. Even just with under three minutes left, Keaton Slovis gets USC down the field and scores two touchdowns. After being down 27-14, to 14, uh, less than three minutes left, USC ends up winning the game. Keaton Slovis is a beast. Keaton Slovis is an absolute baller. We talked about him at nauseum on the show last year. And I will continue to do so this year. He's easily the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. Jay Daniels, I would say, is the second best, but Keaton Slovis is a beast. And it it tells a lot about how good of a quarterback Keaton Slovis is. He kicked two five stars away from USC because of how good he was. The first five star he kicked out was JT Daniels, who's now at Georgia, who's healthy or presumed to be healthy, but or presumed to be healthy, but is not playing. And Kirby Smart gave a very um, not a not a great answer when asking why J.T. Daniels wasn't playing because he said Stetson Bennett and I can't remember who the other guy's name is had more game time. But J.T. Daniels has played football before and the call at the college level now not great his freshman year especially did not play great got hurt. Keenan Slovis took it from him, and then USC had another five-star recruit coming, and Bryce Young, who decommitted. And went to Alabama, who's now the backup to Mac Jones, who will be the starter next year, presumably, when and if if and when Mac Jones goes to the NFL this year. Cause Mac Jones is having a fantastic year as well. As right now, with Trevor Lawrence being out, Mac Jones is the front runner for the Heisman Trophy at this point in time. Now there'll be conversations for obviously Trevor. You got Justin Fields at Ohio State, the BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson. Uh, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall will get some mentions up there. Leads the nation in rushing yards. Brees Hall does this year, but Mac Jones is the front runner right now. And Bryce Young, who a lot of people are comparing to a better version of Kyler Murray, which for those of you who know Kyler Murray, not just the NFL quarterback, but coming out of high school, Kyler Murray was absolutely insane. So to compare him to Kyler, Bryce Young to Kyler Murray is oh, that's lofty expectations. Tyler Murray is one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the 21st century in college football. At Oklahoma, it, not so much at Texas A&M before him because they were rotating him and Kyle Allen, which was just a weird, weird thing. So thankfully for him, he got to Oklahoma and at the ship. Now he's balling out in the NFL. And both of them are. Well, not, well not, Kyle Allen's not really balling out. Hasn't really balled out. But he was, has been starting. Did just get hurt yesterday. Dislocated ankle. He's having surgery. So this means... For the Washington football team. Alex Smith is going to be the starting quarterback for the Washington football team. Let's just give a round of applause to Alex Smith. Very cool stuff. But yeah. I'm excited to see what Bryce Young could do. I talked about him quite a bit during the summer. Leading up to this college football season. Because I I was like, if he's got that much talent, it's going to be hard to say, no, you're not starting. But Mac Jones didn't do, do anything to lose the job last year. We said that a lot during the summer and Mac Jones didn't lose the job and he's been absolutely tearing shit up at Alabama this year. He's absolutely been destroying everything this year and Alabama going into the season brought back a ton of people, a lot of people. There's not a lot of teams in the country that can say we lost two wide receivers, two first round wide receivers and Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And then the next year have Two more first-round wide receivers, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Not any team, no teams can say that, except for Alabama. Alex Leatherwood, their left tackle, is going to be a first-rounder. Mac Jones, if he keeps this up, will easily be a first-rounder. If not, he'll be an early second-rounder. Najee Harris will be either a late first-rounder, early second-rounder. Dylan Moses, linebacker, will probably be a first-rounder. Patrick Sertan will be arguably a top-five pick in next year's draft. One of the top corners, if not the best corner in college football, if you talk with him and probably Derek Stingley. But Derek Stingley obviously has to come back next year because he's only a sophomore. True sophomore at that. Alabama's good. They brought back a lot of underclassmen last year. Obviously had Tua leaving. Henry Lurug's left. Jerry Judy left. But they brought back a lot of talented people. And I'll be shocked. If they do not win the Natty this year. And obviously, we we have to talk about this game. Talk about When you talk about national championships and national champions, you have to bring up the Clemson Tigers losing to Notre Dame. They haven't lost an ACC game in, what was it, 36 games? They were undefeated in 36 straight games or something like that. And it's not even a real ACC team they lose to. It's Notre Dame who came in as a de facto ACC team this year. Now, DJ Ugalale, you Yua Lagalele had a good game in this game. Two touchdowns over 400 yards passing, but they could not rush the ball to save their lives. 33 carries, 34 yards with two touchdowns. They bottled up Travis Etienne, which is not easy. Now, Travis Etienne did some work as a receiver as well. Almost came very, very close to returning a missed field goal. By Notre Dame tried to jump the punter obviously didn't work if he didn't do that I could have seen him returning at her house in that and obviously Notre Dame won the game Clemson had some very uh bad decisions on their last drive of the game uh Travis Etienne going out of bounds saved Notre Dame two timeouts and then on the last drive Notre Dame did use a timeout Kyron Williams balled out 140 yards three touchdowns game Ian Book Had himself a good game as well. Minus the fumble, which would have steeled the game up a lot earlier at like the three-yard line or something. He had himself a good game. 68 yards rushing, 310 passing yards, a touchdown in the game. Javon McKinley had himself a game, 102 yards receiving. Avery Davis caught the lone touchdown, 78 yards. But yeah, and Trevor Lawrence was on the sideline in this game, which I thought was weird. But whatever, because technically speaking that was if if my math is correct if I know how to read days right which has been brought up the question a couple times that was day 10 that day was day 10 of his quarantine so he should not have been there I know there was the talks of he has to pass a, a cardiac test or something but that was supposedly day 10 of his quarantine so he should not have been there but we had the test so even if he did if that was quarantine which again I don't my days are t- I, mean, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Cornell Powell had himself a good game. Armari Ro- Rogers had himself a good game as well. But Cornell Powell. I want to talk about Cornell Powell a little bit. That dude. The, he led them in receiving 161 yards and a touchdown in the game. He's a beast. He won't go down for anything. He don't go down very easily. There was a time where he caught a pass. A little screen pass. And I, was sw- I could have swore he was going to fumble the ball. He didn't. It was awesome. Carried like the entire Notre Dame defense on him. I thought they were ripping at the ball the entire time, and he didn't fumble. It was ridiculous to see that. But, yeah, Clemson without a lot of their starters, obviously the biggest name being Trevor Lawrence, lost the game, couldn't get Travis Etienne going in this game, which is not something a lot of – it's not a lot of Clemson games where Travis Etienne has not gotten going in the game, which is crazy to think about. Travis Etienne being bottled up is not – an easy task. But Notre Dame did it. They have the fifth best rush defense in college football. And they handled Etienne and stopped Clemson's offense pretty much. all not, well, not stopped because DJ had himself a great game in this game. I'm not going to discredit uh, DJ's game. But you bottle up Travis Etienne and it makes it harder for Clemson to go. And Clemson, with historically a great rush defense, gave up 208 rushing yards in this game. Kyron Williams broke off a couple long runs in this game. Especially earlier in the game. And Notre Dame ended up winning the game. Notre Dame's now ranked number two in the nation. Alabama ranked one. Hopefully we see a rematch of that awesome Alabama-Notre Dame game from, like, geez, that was probably a lot longer ago than I'm remembering it. Probably, like, six, seven years ago, A.J. McCarron versus Everett Golson, 42 nothing final, or something like that. Absolutely ridiculous. But that game was fun to watch. Stressful because... On Cole and Company, we do a thing every Friday where we have to do three games that we think will happen in one lock of the week. That was my lock of the week, Clemson winning. I was like, they have one bad game a year. Like, you could date that back to like 2015 when they started being really good. They have that one really bad or below average game where they played down to their competitions level. You saw that with Boston College last week. They've done it against Syracuse quite a bit, they've done it against Pittsburgh, South Carolina, North Carolina before they were actually getting good so I thought that was just a blip and they'd be back this week but they weren't they had a lot of injuries in the game as well and it just didn't work out for Clemson in the game but they stuck with it I had a great second half minus the last like 5 minutes but yeah Notre Dame congratulations great game for you guys other games that were of note that I picked for my games of the week I had Florida beating Georgia I didn't think that was a lot of wasn't a lot of brain power going behind Florida beat Georgia just Kyle Trask is an absolute baller Kyle Trask is a beast put 474 yards four touchdowns this game he's he threw a pick I think he threw a pick six in the game I didn't watch the game but I saw it on Twitter I was working on uh so obviously I said we got a big video coming up we were brainstorming for the video which will be coming out I don't know I don't have a timetable for you but from what I saw Trask balled out again Trask is a beast Went from backup quarterback in high school to backup at Florida, to starter, to potential first-round draft pick, to being in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. That's ridiculous. He was Derek King's backup at Houston at, when they were, they were both from Houston. Not at Houston, the university in high school. And now Trask is probably going to get drafted before Derek King. Derek King, speaking of Derek King, he absolutely balled out Friday night. Balled out against NC State. 430 yards passing, 5 passing touchdowns, with 105 rushing yards. And they did not have a good game against NC State. Miami did not play great. But Derrick King, much like he did at Houston, his entire career at Houston, minus last year, he carried Miami. And that's been a big reason Miami's had the success they've had is because of how good talent talented Derrick King is. Dude's an absolute beast? Two quarterbacks from the same high school that are the same age are balling out and probably had the two best performances of the week. And Derek King and Kyle Trask, as the as far as quarterback performances go, they balled out. But together they had over 900, 900 passing yards and nine touchdowns. One was the backup, the other one was a starter. And I bet if you didn't if you didn't know that, or if you didn't if you didn't know that, and I just told you, or if you'd I, if you didn't hear me, you would guess that they were both five star recruits. They're baller. Those two are super tight. I love Derek King. Derek King is so much fun to watch. Houston got blown out by Cincy, unsurprisingly, in this game. Uh, speaking of Houston, Oregon, their first game beat Stanford again, unsurprising, unsurprisingly. Tyler Show, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I only watched a tiny bit of the Oregon Stanford game because obviously Clemson Notre Dame was on, so I wanted to watch that one instead. But C.J. Verdell still a baller, still still putting up big numbers. But Tyler Show. Again, I can't remember if I'm saying his name right. But he got the starting job. They had a transfer coming over from Boston College. Tyler got the starting nod. Oregon gets the big-time win over Stanford. Indiana, as we already said, killed Michigan, blew them out of the water. Oklahoma State came back against Kansas State in this game. 2018 final there. Iowa State got a little scare against Baylor. Had to come back in this game. We're down 21-10 at halftime. Came back and won Brees 31 carries on 33 yards, two Tuddies in the game. Uh, Brock Purdy did not play his best game. Three interceptions in the game, but did put up 55 yards on the day. But, yeah, good win for Iowa State. Still undefeated, lone, possession, lone sole possession of first place in the Big 12. I was trying to figure out what to say. Oklahoma blew out Kansas, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Texas beat Virginia Tech. Liberty beat Virginia Tech. Liberty was like what was it, 25-point underdogs in this game? They're a top five, top 25 team. They're the underdogs against Virginia Tech, which is the independent versus the big conference thing and Liberty won. Remember when Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion like two years ago? Remember how insane that was? It was so fun. I remember, oh, God. I didn't watch it, but I remember seeing that. And we kind of talked about this game a little bit, how exciting this game would probably be. BYU versus Boise. Uh, Yeah. Boise did not show up. They got absolutely obliterated by BYU. 51-17 was the final there. BYU, not even the first half. Like, Iowa, when they beat Michigan State, blew them out in the first half. Boise State killed them the second half. They scored more points the second half than the first half. They didn't take the foot off the gas for a second in this game. And Zach Wilson balled out, again, unsurprisingly. Uh, 359 yards passing, two touchdowns in this game. Also had a rushing Touchdown. Boise played three quarterbacks. Still no word on Hank Bachmeyer. Yeah, not a great game. Boise got annihilated by the BYU Cougars in this game. and Yeah, just not a great game. Not not good for Boise. There's no other way to put it other than that. Memphis had a scare against South Florida. Memphis' defense is absolutely terrible. It's Brady White versus their defense. It's not even like Brady White and Memphis' offense versus the other team. It's literally just Brady White trying to keep Memphis above water because of how awful their defense is. We'll talk about someone else like that that played the NFL this week. But 437 yards, four touchdowns for Brady White this game. Yeah, they were getting blown out 27-13 to 13 at halftime. And boy, they had to come back hard and did. Memphis obviously wins the game. India, North Carolina blew out Duke. North Carolina has been really shoddy all year. Javante Williams had a great game in this game, three touchdowns for him and if North Carolina, North Carolina is too talented to be as shoddy as they are, like one week you could have this amazing performance like this, and then the next week they'll lose to some random team that they should have no – or have a close game or they, the team should have no business being close to them. But they did. They blew them out in the first half. We're up 42 nothing at half, 42-10 at halftime. We're just coasted the rest of the way. Sam Howell, another one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football. Him and Keaton Slovis – Next year, not this next draft, but the year after's draft, a lot of people could be battling for those two at the top of the draft. So look out for that. Northwestern beat Nebraska. Boston College beat Syracuse. A little closer than what I would probably expect. Maryland blew out Penn State. Two elite attack of Viola, balled out again. 282 yards passing, three passing touchdowns in the game. We'll talk about his brother coming up. Sean Clifford sucked. He threw 57 times, completely only 27 of them. Penn State stinks. They are bad. 0-3. Just lost to Maryland. It's just not great. And we got Penn State-Nebraska next week, which in other years might have actually been fun so we could have seen Penn State absolutely obliterate Nebraska. But both of them suck now. So, like, Penn State has gone to Nebraska's level, which is not, not good for Penn State. And, uh, yeah, not going to be tuning in. I will s- spoil alert. I will not be tuning into that one. Minnesota against Illinois. Muhammad Ibrahim last week against Maryland had himself a fantastic game. Had himself a very, very good game against Maryland. 207 yards, four touchdowns. That's a a hard thing to come back. It's hard to continue on that trajectory. Oh, man, that many yards? That's awesome. But he did it again. He did better against Illinois. 224 yards, four touchdowns. In this game, he's had over 140 yards in every game he's played. Just at least two touchdowns in every game he's played. He's balled out this year. They lost to Michigan, lost to Minnesota, Maryland, but they beat Illinois, and he's been the main reason why. That is a ridiculous stat line. Ridiculous. He's almost – he had a 604-yard season last year. He's played three games and is already at 571. He already has more touchdowns. He has 10 touchdowns already. Like, good lord, dude. Great game. Great stuff for Muhammad Ibrahim in this game. I hate Minnesota, but hey, you know what? Credit, give credit where credit is due, and Muhammad Ibrahim balled out. I mean, a lot of people, you should really be balling out against Illinois. Maybe not that balled out, but <laughs> you have to ball out against them. And other games in the top 25, or at least in college football, nothing really to report, but Colorado... If you've been following me, you know I've got my Colorado season on NCAA football 12. We are in the 2029 season now. 11 national champions to my name at Colorado. But Colorado got a big win. 48-42 to over UCLA. And it's weird. I've done so many games on, my, on the game that it's weird not seeing a number next to Colorado's name. I rocked my Colorado shirt on Saturday. <laughs> After the Iowa game was over, I threw on my Colorado shirt. Went over to my friend's place, watched college football, followed Colorado, and it was fun. I enjoy why <laughs> Colorado is fun. Jarek Broussard, the running back, 187 yards, three touchdowns of the game. Crazy. Dorian Thompson Robinson had himself a, a good game. Again, he's he's fighting an uphill battle with UCLA. <laughs> They're a bad team. But Colorado got the dub. And yeah, big time performance from Colorado. And this is a little side note, because I forgot to bring this up on Friday. But it's a little story time for my Colorado Sim. So I had a running back. His name was Drew Tolbert. An absolute beast. He was balling out this season. This is like three seasons ago. And the entire season, the entire way, he had the lead in the Heisman. And I'll tell you why. Because he was breaking all of Barry Sanders' records that are NCAA records. He was breaking all Colorado rushing records. The reason why is because we didn't have a quarterback. My quarterback was not very good. My starter left, Kevin Myrick, went to the NFL draft. And my backup was a high at 85, which was not our standard of quarterback. He was a redshirt sophomore. So he struggled at times throughout the season. So I was just like, well, let's run the ball. Drew Tolbert's absolutely destroying everybody running the ball. And we've been more run-oriented since that day. Since that year, but that year, it just absolutely went ham. He annihilated everybody. He he had 2,700 yards rushing. His exact total was 2,778 rushing yards. He had 40 rushing touchdowns in a season. Unsurprisingly, pro school and national records. But this was before the national championship came. So before the Heisman, he was just under the yardage mark. And just under the touchdown mark that Barry Sanders had set. I think the record was like 2,600 yards rushing and 36 touchdowns, if I remember right. I think I had 36 rushing touchdowns on the season, so I already tied it, but he had like 2,500 yards at the time. So I was like, he's about to break Barry Sanders' records. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, it's locked up. I had the lead the entire season, and then some loser named Marcus Ratliff from Ohio, takes it from him. Just a little tidbit. Marcus Ratliff from Ohio completed 49.7% of his passes. For those who aren't that good in math, that is less than 50% of your passes. This season that he won the Heisman was his worst season in college football throwing the ball. But he had a career year rushing the ball. Had about 900 yards rushing. Didn't have anything spectacular past it. Like 18 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. It was nothing spectacular. My dude was about to break Barry Sanders' rushing records. And on the last day, right after the conference championship game, after we beat San Diego State, because I switched around the conferences, so San Diego State, Air Force, and uh, I just moved Washington State to the the, the Mountain West because they were terrible and they're even worse than the Mountain West now. San Diego State was in the conference championship, we played them, Drew Tolbert went off, and he came second. And the dumbest part, not even that he lost the Heisman and came second, he had the third most first place votes. He got annihilated in the Heisman Trophy race. I was so confused. So, of course, as per usual, there's conspiracy theory time. We've won at the time we had won nine national championships. we weren't we were on pace to win number 10 because we were playing Florida Atlantic again. I don't know how that worked out, but Florida Atlantic was in the national championship against Colorado. I know very realistic stuff. So we were at nine on pace for 10, won numerous Heisman coached numerous Heisman winners. Like it's been ridiculous. We've crapped out national championship, crapped out Heisman winners. Like it's When you come to Colorado, either A, win the Heisman, or B, win a Natty. Like, you're going to win a Natty at some point. At this point now, though, it's getting boring keeping on winning the national championship. But they've started screwing Colorado by not giving us our just dues and giving our players the Heisman trophies. You broke Barry Sanders' records. This is the year 2028. That record was set in, I think, 88 That record's been there for 40 years. And my running back is not allowed to take home his trophy that's rightfully his. We've done a lot of seasons at Colorado. Never have I been this upset about a guy losing the Heisman Trophy than this. So, of course, we sued because, you know what, screw the NCAA. And then the next year, we have another great running back. Very fast guy, short guy, very fast, like Darren Sproles-esque. Looks like he's winning the Heisman. Lost it last day of the year. But this one I will get I will fold and say, yeah, this guy deserved it. He was like third of the nation in passing yards, had a good season rushing the ball as well. It wasn't like Marcus Ratliff, who completed less than fifty percent of his passes. So I was like, fine, I expected that. Coming after the NCAA like we did, you expect them to be a little upset that you come after them. So I was like, okay, we will give you guys. Your Heisman Trophy. It was a Tennessee quarterback. We'll give you the te- we'll give the Tennessee quarterback his Heisman. We're not gonna say anything. If I speak, I'm in trouble, as Jose Mourinho says. If I speak, I'm in trouble. But that year, when we got screwed out of the Heisman, Drew Tolbert got screwed out of the Heisman. He was so upset, he went to the NFL. He couldn't do it anymore. I had a quarterback years ago, like in my early stages at the University of Colorado, and he won three Heisman's in four years. Never won a national championship, though. That was a very weird stretch of national championships. Four, Three Heismans in four years. Got He did really get screwed out of the sec. his second year. Got screwed out of the Heisman by running back from Cal. But we lost to Cal in the Pac-12 championship game. So I was like, okay, kind of makes sense. Went on to the NFL, played all four years at Colorado. Never left early, even though winning three Heismans. Never won an Addy, though. Very disheartening. To have a player like that and not get him a national championship. But now we're crapping out national championships. We're on national championship 11. I'm on a season right now. We are about ready to play. Crap. I don't remember who we're playing. We just beat Oregon State. And Oregon State's actually pretty good. But I don't remember who we are playing next. But it's been an emotional year because... Emotional two years. You get players screwed out of the Heisman Trophy. You have to be calm on one of them because... Fine, we'll win a Natty. Natty's more important than Heisman's, at least to most people out there. But you move. That's all they, That's all we can do. That's all we can really do. But yeah, Drew Tolbert, hope you have success in the NFL. He's a future guy. You'll you'll see him in the NFL in a few years. He's He hasn't been there yet, but get ready for that. But for college football this week, this upcoming weekend, we'll obviously preview this a little bit more on Friday. But we got some MAC games coming up Tuesday. Buffalo versus Miami will be a fun game. Both teams are 1-0 and on the season. I will be tuning into that Tuesday night, so make sure you tune into that. Iowa will play Minnesota on Friday. If you were expecting Minnesota and Iowa to play Saturday night, no, they're playing Friday night for the Florida Rosedale on FS1 at 6. is a minus-3 favorite right now as we stand. Uh, Indiana-Michigan State could be pretty fun. Indiana's obviously favored because they're, as it looks right now, the better team. Then Michigan State. What other games do we got on here that could be some entertaining ones to watch? None of them are really that entertaining. Notre Dame-Boston College could be fun. Boston College is, likes to play above their level this year, so might as well push them a little bit. Ohio State versus Maryland could be fun. Doubt it will be a good game, but Maryland's played good at times this year, so could be fun. could be a fun one. USC-Arizona could be a fun game this weekend. Memphis-Navy Navy could be fun. This weekend, Colorado versus Stanford. Jeez, cool. will be fun game. I will be tuning in to that one. It's at 2.30 on Saturday on ESPN2. Alabama-LSU, this was last year. This was the game of the year. Now, without anybody on LSU's roster, this isn't really that fun to watch. Arkansas-Florida could be actually pretty fun. Could actually be a very fun game. I had Arkansas one of my picks this week. because They were underdog against Tennessee. They won. And yeah, that could actually be fun. I will, I will enjoy that game. Wisconsin, Michigan, they're on pace. Wisconsin's back to playing. Northwestern, Purdue, both teams are undefeated this year. That could be a pretty fun game. Cal, Arizona State, they'll be good. Cal's got a very good quarterback as well, and Chase Garbers, I believe, is his name. So that that will be a fun. I would, I would recommend watching that game. That's a later game though, typical Pac-12 game, late 9:30 at night. So you want to stay up late and watch that game, go right ahead. So, let's talk about some NFL stuff, because we had some big games go on yesterday. Big games. Big games going on yesterday. Some surprising ones. Maybe not the ultimate result, but the game itself was pretty surprising. I'm going to talk about one game last. There's a couple games I want to talk about towards the end, but the other games, like Ravens beat the Colts, not very surprising there. Titans beat the Bears, not very surprising the Chiefs beat the Panthers a lot closer than what I was expecting. Christian McCaffrey was back, but apparently he's going to miss some time again with a shoulder injury. Uh, Giants beat the Washington football team 23-20. Jags beat, lost the Texans. Steelers had to come back to beat the Dallas Cowboys but and did ultimately win. And the Saints absolutely obliterated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. Absolutely obliterated them. 38-3. Terrible game. I watched like five minutes of it and turned it off. Cardinals, fun game against the Miami Dolphins. Tua gets his second career win. Actually put up a very good game as opposed to the game against the Rams. 20 for 28, 248, two touchdowns in a game. Also at 35 yards rushing. Kyler Murray balled out as well. 21-26, three touchdowns passing. And then 106 rushing yards with a touchdown there as well. I don't like that the Dolphins are starting to get good. I don't like that they have a good head coach. I don't like that they have a fun quarterback. I don't like that they're starting to build something down there. I don't like it. It makes me upset. The The Dolphins should not be good, especially with my team starting to get good. <laughs> the Dolphins should be bad. When I was When Josh Allen got drafted, I wanted the Jets to start getting good again because Josh and Sam are good friends, and it make it fun. Because the Bills have had rivalries with the Patriots and the Dolphins and with the Jets, but more so when both teams were bad. The Dolphins, them and the Bills balled out against each other in the 90s. We might start more, get into a little bit more of a natural state with the Dolphins being good with the Bills at the same time. 5-3, and three, the Miami Dolphins. They're a good team. They are a good team. They might be a year out, same with the Cardinals, but... Like we said with the Cardinals last year, I didn't really feel the same about the Dolphins last year. But the Cardinals, we talk about them and said they're not that far off. They're not. They're a very good team. They're a damn good team. Once they actually get some more pieces in there, they'll be very, very good. Dolphins, they are. They're pushing a playoff spot. They're. They're good. They are good, and Tua. Least, especially last week against the this week against the Cardinals, not necessarily against the Rams. He's the dude, and I don't like it. I don't like that the Dolphins got a starting quarterback. <laughs> I don't, I do not like it. I do not like it. Uh, the Vikings, Dalvin Cook balled out again. Not really surprising. there. Vikings need to be a run first team. Kirk Cousins, basically the older version of Baker Mayfield. Like they need to run first team. Now speaking of Baker Mayfield and the Browns, Nick Chubb is coming back, so. They activated him off IR. So if you have Nick Chubb in your fantasy teams, you can activate him from the IR list. Or if you dropped him because some of your managers don't put the IR things on there, go, pick, go try and pick him back up because he's going to be coming back. And the last two games I want to talk about, which one I want to talk I'll talk about the, my team first. So the Bills versus the Seahawks. A lot of people counted Buffalo out in this game. A lot of people. Josh Allen... In an MVP matchup, outdueled Russell Wilson in this game. This is a very similar situation to Lamar Jackson versus Russell Wilson last year when the Ravens went up to Seattle and Lamar beat up Lamar or Lamar outplayed Russell Wilson in Seattle to get the Ravens the win over the Seahawks to eventually, which was the game that ultimately turned the tide in the MVP race. Now, I think Patrick Mahomes is above Josh Allen in the MVP race. Mostly because that's why I predicted the beginning of the year, but Josh outplayed Russell in every aspect of the game yesterday. This was arguably his best overall game as a pro. The way he picked apart the Jay- Seahawks defense and everybody—it wasn't a secret going into this game that the Seahawks defense was bad. Everybody knows the Seahawks defense is bad, which is a completely 180 of what was the Seahawks in the early part of Russell Wilson's career. It was usually Seahawks' defense was good, offense had pieces but no O-line. Russell Wilson had to make plays. Now he still has to do that, but the Seahawks' defense is atrocious. the worst One of the worst passing defenses, not just this year, but in like NFL history, same with the Falcons. Their defenses are terrible. When you're up there with the Atlanta Falcons, everybody knows the Falcons' defense is bad. Everybody knows that it's just like the Seahawks defense. But if you're up there with them, that's bad. That's very bad. The Seahawks are seven and two or six and two. Falcons are three and six. A seven and two team should not have the defense comparable to that of a three and six team. That is bad. That is very bad. But that's how bad the Seahawks defense is. And Josh just picked them apart. Played zone. Josh picked apart the zone. It was easy. First, The first the first series of the game, even including the kick return, Audrey Roberts had an awesome kick return. Three plays later, the Bills are in the end zone. One of the best first drives I've seen from the Buffalo Bills since the Houston Texans game in the playoffs. Other than that drive, that drive was the best drive they've had in Josh Allen's career to start a game. And the Texans one was damn near perfect as well because they did the reverse play. Josh had a massive run. The reverse play where John Brown threw a touchdown to Josh Allen. But Josh killed this defense. Absolutely killed it. He outplayed Russell. The Bills defense. The thing that was going into this game was, can the Bills defense slow down Russell Wilson in the offense? Yes. They hit him 16 times. Knocked him down 16 times in this game. He threw two interceptions in this game. One, a not very good interception. And then Trey White should have had a pick six in this game. They beat up the Seahawks in this game. In all facets. Like, can the Bills' defense slow down the Seahawks' offense? Yes. And that defense, though they gave up 34 points, looked the most like they have in like the past two, three years than they have all year. And they gave up 34 points. With how much pressure they were applying to the Seahawks, With how good their coverage was. Levi Wallace had a great game as well. Other than the the one busted coverage thing where they played zone and the Seahawks guy snuck behind the zone. And he was 15 yards between him and the next defender. Secondary played awesome. The defense played. A.J. Klein, who has sucked all year, played an amazing game against the Seahawks. Out of all the teams he could have had a great game against. Not against the Jets. No, it was against the Seattle Seahawks. I cannot stress enough how bad AJ Klein has been this year. Matt Milano, the top three best defenders on the Buffalo Bills, was out, put on IR. So Matt Milano or uh, AJ Klein had to step in. And I'm not just saying this because he's been—he's an Iowa State player. He has sucked this year. He's been terrible. The Bills have been playing a 4-2-5 defense all year because of the fact they don't want to start AJ Klein. They played with two linebackers and Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds all season. It started Teron Johnson or Dean Marlowe all year because they don't want to play A.J. Klein, But they have to because he's the next best linebacker they got. But he had a great game yesterday. Bills fans have been clowning him all year. And he had a great game yesterday. Great game. Not only the interceptions, Russell Wilson fumbled the ball twice. Like, it was crazy. I thought... Now, a lot of people, again, as I said, were writing the Bills off in this game because the Seahawks, how great their offense has been. But the Bills picked them. And how, how average the Bills have looked recently. Against the Kansas City Chiefs, bad weather. Same thing with the New England Patriots, bad weather games. Against the Jets, don't really know what was going on against the Jets. That one was just a weird game. But you look at what Josh did in this game, and now everybody's, of course, going to jump back on the bandwagon because he's one of those players in the NFL that cannot afford to have a bad game, at least in the national media. There has never been a semblance of this guy's not our franchise guy from the Buffalo Bills ever since he's gotten drafted. Josh Allen, when he got drafted, was considered the biggest project in the draft. When you have a project you don't go into a season with MVP MVP or Nathan Peterman and AJ McCarron. That's the one thing that I can criticize the Bills front office for since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have been there. That's probably the one thing you could criticize them on. When you trade out of a spot that eventually gets the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes, a lot of teams would get made fun of for that. The Browns, don't get made fun of enough for trading out of the pick that got Deshaun Watson and just said Deshaun Kaiser. The Bears get a ton of hate for drafting Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson. Bills get no hate because they got Tredavious White out of it. That's how good this Bills front office has been. And Sean McDermott, that was his first draft. They didn't even have a GM at that time. But the one thing that I can criticize that front office on is that fact that they did not set Josh up for success in his rookie year in regards to having a mentor with him, Peterman was a second-year quarterback. Agent McCarron was a career backup. And the one game that it, well, the first game Nathan Peterman ever started, he threw five interceptions in the first half. Did not set Josh up and didn't have thought they had. They thought they had the weapons and like Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones on the team. Robert Foster, even then, at that time prior to the season starting, Robert Foster was a nobody. He kept dropping the ball, couldn't catch anything to save his life. You look at the other quarterbacks that got drafted that year. Baker had Tyrod. Now, in hindsight, you probably would have kept Tyrod Taylor. But you couldn't because you couldn't afford to keep him because if you did keep him. You had to pay a, a massive amount of money to keep him on the team. So we've talked about Tyrod's contract in Buffalo before. Ty- Baker had Tyrod. Sam had Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater, two guys who had been established starters in the NFL. Josh McCown's been around everywhere. Then he had Josh Rose with Sam Bradford. Then he had Lamar Jackson with Joe Flacco. Even Mason Rudolph, who got drafted that year, had Ben Roethlisberger, but that he's just trash. Josh had Nathan Peterman and AJ McCarron. He was set up to not succeed with that system, and he got he started week two. Sam Darnold started week one. Josh Allen was the next rookie quarterback in that draft class to start a game. He started week two against the Chargers after Nathan Peterman put up a big goose egg against the Ravens in regards to quarterback rating. And look where Josh is now. So, when you see the progression, this is where, this is probably when he probably should have actually started playing. He shouldn't have played as early as he was, but he adapted. And then after that injury against the Houston Texans' rookie year, his stock kept going up. And it's kept going up. It's never faltered his worst game he's played as a pro is against the New England Patriots last season. He threw three interceptions, got knocked out of the game. Ever since that game, there has been an increase in play. Josh is, and this is unquestionable, the best red zone quarterback in the NFL right now. He's one of the best clutch performances performer, performers in the NFL. Factual he leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks. This is one of the best in fourth quarter comebacks. Which again, we talked about this on Friday. Of, well, they've been down so much. If he played better, he wouldn't need to do that. And it's games like this. Where everybody starts jumping off the bandwagon Because it's cool to hate on Josh Allen. When he has a bad game. Or an average game. If Josh Allen lost to the Oakland Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. Everybody would have called for his head. Hatch Mahomes lost to him. Now I know Mahomes is more established than the NFL. He's won an MVP, won a Super Bowl, and all that stuff. If Josh lost to the Panthers, would have had some people come in for his head. He lost to the Titans and the Chiefs. Chiefs reigning Super Bowl champions. Best team in the NFL, outside the Steelers. Titans were undefeated at the time, and looked very, very good up until that point. Minus the whole COVID thing. that That made him look pretty bad. But Josh is one of those people that cannot afford to have the bad game. Because then everybody starts, oh, Buffalo needs to move on from Josh. Colin Coward literally said that the last time he did quarterback rankings. Like what? He has one average game. It wasn't even like a bad game. It was an average game. And everyone's like, oh, well, maybe he's not the franchise guy. Carson Wentz has sucked all season playing hero ball all year. And Colin still puts him in the tier two of quarterbacks. And I love Carson Wentz. But from this season, you cannot tell me anything Carson Wentz has done this year has better been better than what number 17 has for the red, white, and blue in Buffalo. You can't. And Josh, to put a cherry on not necessarily a cherry on top, but how good he played, his grandmother passed away the day before and still went out there and played as good as he did. You know how hard that would be? to lose a loved one the day before a game and you still go out there and play like that against the team that everybody says you're going to lose to because their offense is too good. Look at like what Brett Favre did against the Raiders. Torrey Smith had a similar situation when his brother passed away. And he had an absolutely great game on Sunday Night Football. This was Josh's game. And they took it to the Seattle Seahawks. They took it to them. They took them to the woodshed. Just putting it lightly. They took the Seahawks to the woodshed in this game. Took them to the woodshed. And then the last game we're going to talk about is the Chargers and Raiders. Chargers uh, gave up another lead. Again, lost the lead and lost the game. 31-26. And I don't know how Lynn keeps his job at the end of the season with how this team's played. This has not been a – this wasn't a thing when he first got there. It's been a gradually worse thing. The Chargers have always had a history of blowing leads. You look back to the Mike McCoy, Norv Turner eras, that happened. But this didn't wasn't like this when Anthony Lynn first took over as the Chargers head coach. They went twelve and four. They beat the Ravens in the playoffs. Like this was not something that it looked like it was out the window at that time. But now it's back in full force. I don't know how this is how you could do this, this consistently. The consistency is the crazy part for me. I can see this happen every once in a while, but the consistency is key here. Like Dan Quinn, obviously everybody knew he was gonna get fired from Atlanta because of how much they were sucking on defense and blowing leads and stuff like that. He went to a Super Bowl. What is Anthony Lynn doesn't have that? What does Anthony Lynn have that makes him keep this job at the end of the year unless they completely right the ship? I like Anthony Lynn. I respect Anthony Lynn as a coach and a person. I don't have anything bad to say about the person Anthony Lynn. But there's the, he's not he can't keep his job at the end of the year. I would be shocked if he kept his job with how much they choke leads away. And I know we've, we've, we're have we've running out of time here. We're a little over time right now. Maybe we'll go like 10 minutes. But I have a tier list here. I know we do this on Fridays. But this is something that should go by pretty fast. And if NFL... Coaches on the hot seat tier list. And I've got five tiers. Fire seat, which means it's on, on fire, which means they should probably go. Hot seat. It's a little hot. Warm seat. It's like, ooh, maybe they should get fired. Comfortable seat. It's like, oh man, we're we're good. Cold seat, not even worried about. We're not even thinking about it. Now I got ten coaches here. I got Zach Taylor, Vic Fangio, Doug Peterson, Adam Gase, Matt Patricia, Doug Marone, Matt Nagy, Mike McCarthy. Anthony Lynn, and Mike Zimmer. So we got all the coaches there. Now We'll start off with the obvious ones. Uh, Matt Patricia, he has to get fired. Doug Marone has to get fired. Adam Gase has to get fired. Vic Fangio, we'll just throw him on the hot seat. Throw him on the hot seat because they have dealt with a little bit of injuries this year. But he'll be on the hot seat. Anthony Lynn is on the hot seat as well. Mike McCarthy, he's on the warm seat because it is just his first year as the coach of the Cowboys and you lost your starting quarterback. You've had injuries on you've had injuries this year. So, let's not it's we'll write it off this year. But it's his first year so he's probably going to get a little longer. You see how long it took Jerry Jones to fire Jason Garrett, but that they were friends. So that made it all probably a little harder as well. Matt Nagy Actually, no. We'll go Zach Taylor. His seat's pretty comfortable. I don't think he's going anywhere. The, like, they're they're building something in Cincy. I don't know how well they're going to build it because you see how time, how many times Cincinnati's had good football teams and how they just falter. The entire Marvin Lewis era essentially never won a single playoff game there. How many good teams they had there? So they probably won't feel it. they probably won't build it very well. But they're building something. Mike Zimmer, uh, he'll be on the warm seat. The Vikings. Now, the first half of their season is really hard. It's a very tough first half of the season. But they've just been missing expectations a lot. Now, the o line's very bad. The corners are young. The defense has been battling injuries. has been pretty young this season. But he's going to be on the warm seat a little bit. Doug Peterson, if the Eagles miss the playoffs, this is all predicated on the Eagles missing the playoffs, is the hot seat. I know he won a Super Bowl. But the rest of it, he's has the same record as Anthony Lynn. Pretty much the same. They they might be a I think Doug Peterson might be above Anthony Lynn by like two in wins because the Chargers obviously lost this week. But Doug Peterson, minus that Super Bowl year, this his Eagles teams haven't been very good. Now, again, you battle injuries and you won a Super Bowl. Super Bowls can only last you so long. Dan Quinn lasted for freaking ever just going to a Super Bowl. Not even winning it. Choking the lead in the Super Bowl. This is a, we didn't realize at the time that that was a sign of things to come in Atlanta. But Doug Peterson's going to be in the hot. I would say his seat's warm right now. And Matt Nagy, uh, he has to be on the hot or warm seat. One of those two seats. At least in play calling. Give up play calling, Matt. He can't call play. The re- When you look at the history of the NFL, the two worst games offenses have had, at least in first halves, have both been Matt Nagy run offenses. And they're so predictable when the plays happen. It's like, oh, we're in a passing situation, let's pass. Or oh, we're in a running situation. Well let's run it three times and then pass the ball 40 times. We're doing one or the other. We're not doing the we're not doing a nice flow of a game plan. We're doing one or the other. And this offense that he's running is wasting an extremely talented defense. Bears defense is playing out of their freaking minds this year but you can only play so much out of your minds in the offense it just can't do anything and a new quarterback this I don't think Matt now I'm saying this Matt Nagy probably won't get fired this offseason I'm not really assuming that Matt Nagy will get fired this offseason Ryan Pace on the other hand he'll probably get fired but Nagy will probably keep his job more than likely he will keep his job this offseason but so he'll bring in a quarterback that's going to be quote-unquote Matt Nagy's quarterback and that will only mask problems. It's like, oh, you got a fan. Whenever your team drafts a quarterback or gets a big quarterback in free agency, it's exciting. Quarterbacks bring the excitement to fans. A lot of young kids' favorite players are the quarterback. A lot of people's favorite players are the starting quarterbacks. So when you draft a quarterback in the top 10, it's like, oh. This is, even in the first round, it's exciting. It's like, whoa, this is our future right here. Now, Trubisky's going to be gone. Nick Foles will still be there this offseason. So they'll bring in a quarterback. Now, they're probably going to be around uh, somewhere between the 18 to 12 range, I would guess. 12 to 18 range in the draft is what I would suspect for the Chicago Bears this year. So you would see probably maybe Trey Lance could fall to them. Maybe you draft Zach Wilson high. He's a BYU kid. He looks just like a Jim McMahon clone, so might as well just get another Jim McMahon. They're won a Super Bowl with him. Not a great quarterback, but good enough to get you guys a Super Bowl. And that's what all the Bears really need. Just average to good to average quarterback play because they have a defense that can handle it. Same thing with the 85 Bears. They had Walter Payton, obviously, but the 85 defense was the main reason everybody knows them as the 85 Bears because they're a great defense not because Jim McMahon and the offense you know the offense because of Walter Payton and the defense because of how great the defense it was the defense and Walter Payton that was pretty much it offense could hit or miss and the fridge obviously was obviously going to be talked about there as well maybe you get Mac Jones maybe take Kyle Trask Maybe, maybe some big scandal causes Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence to drop in the draft so that he could take one of them. But I don't see them going outside of the top five, maybe even top three, because they're so talented, so good. But, yeah, that only masks the problems. I don't... Now, all these coaches, if I'm on, like, just looking at my tier list, when I got the fire seat, hot seat, warm seat, all that stuff, out of these coaches, I see... Because of these franchise, I would hope, for the sake of these franchises, Matt Patricia has to get fired. That's priority number one, because he's sucked ever since he's come into the coaching job at the Detroit Lions. Anthony Lynn has should get fired this offseason. And Chargers, I've heard them linked with Jim Harbaugh, which I don't know how great that would be, but Jim Harbaugh had success with another California team in the 49ers before that all went haywire at the end. Uh... Gase should get fired. Do I think he'll get fired? I don't know, but Gase should be... the Gase and Patricia are 1A, 1B on who should get fired first, but I don't know if Gase will get fired because it's the Jets, so you never know. I think Marone should get fired because he's an absolute terrible head coach. He's one of the worst coaches in the league, but it's Jacksonville. Again, same thing with Adam Gase. Probably keep his job, but I would... And Fangio... He could get fired. The Broncos have had an itchy trigger finger at firing coaches. You saw them fire Vance Joseph after one year. So they could do the same thing with Vic Fangio. I know it's been a couple years, but yeah. Get an offensive style coach there. Pip Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs. Keep him in division. Now if I was to choose, I would hope Eric Bieniemy would go to the Chargers. <laughs> because I like the Chargers. But yeah, Patricia, Gase, Marone, Fangio, and Lynn should all probably get fired this offseason. So there's five coaches. Then you're going to have so, Robert Sala is going to get talked about. BNME, we've already talked about getting a head coaching job. Brian Dable, the Bills Office Coordinator, will get a head coaching look in. Uh, Greg Roman, Ravens offensive Coordinator, will get a look in at a coaching job. Jim Harbaugh, as we already said, should probably get out of Michigan because that's not working and try to come back to the NFL. So he, got to super, he had more success in the NFL than he did at college. Brought Stan. Now he did raise Stanford out of the muck, but got to a Super Bowl. Never had that success at Stanford, and certainly hasn't had that at Michigan. In regards to good teams, or, or great teams. They've had good teams in college, but that's the problem with Michigan because they're wanting great teams. But there, he'll get a coaching look in. Any other guys that I could think of off the top of my head? Brian Leftwich, Byron Leftwich will probably get a look in as an NFL head coach eventually. Maybe not this off season. But he'll get talked about, former Jaguars quarterback. He's the office coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He'll probably get a look in as a head coach as well. So there's some people that I could see being head coaches. Is there anybody else? Am I missing somebody? Maybe someone goes back and hires Jason Garrett. He's the OC for the Giants. Maybe someone goes back and gets him as a head coach. But you never know. That's the beauty of the NFL offseason. So with that being said, let's end it here. We're a little over time today. But I feel like today went really well. Got with, cut, touched on a lot of topics today. So I hope you all enjoyed the show. Make sure you go follow the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. As we said, go like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and go and follow Logan Blackman Show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which is where this podcast will go up. I hope you all have the a great rest of your day, and I will see you guys on the next episode, hopefully Wednesday. <laughs> Peace.